I don't have a lot to say other than I'm not speaking today. We have uh, just a special today. Pastor Wayne's going to be speaking, but I just wanted to say that uh, back in, I guess it was around 1960, a uh, teenager uh, got saved, gave his heart to the Lord, and young man just really passionate and really uh, full of zeal for God's Word and really just on fire for the Lord. And uh, less than 10 years later, found himself leading a Bible study and uh, a few years that which actually led to a church plant in 1974 and uh, pastored the church for almost 50 years. That man's Pastor Wayne. And, uh, and, and from that time, and I just wanted to say really from that time, um, until now, and I can honestly say that he's pursued God with all his heart. And in the 50 plus years that I've known him personally, I can honestly say that his, he just uh, has that desire to seek the Lord and he's uh, still, still running after the Lord, still pursuing the Lord, still in love with God's word. And I just honor him for that, love that. That actually aspect of my dad, his life has actually shaped my life the most. Just his love for God and love for God's word has just been impeccable. And so today, I wonder if we can stand on our feet and honor our founding pastor, Pastor Wayne Holcomb, as he comes and shares today. Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated. Men, I just wanted to take a, a moment before Brother Wayne preaches to thank everybody for all your cards and your gifts during Christmas. It just meant so much to us. We had just gotten word about Brother um, Ken Gary passing away, and all those cards just were so, so special this year. Thank you so much. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Yeah. Got to do better than that. Yes, amen, hallelujah, amen. Thank you, Pastor Matt. Uh, I'm awful proud of you. <laughs> amen, amen. Good fruit. You get excited about good fruit, <clears throat> amen. Uh, this morning, uh, how many remember in John chapter six, uh, uh, I think the disciples were saying, what could we do to work the works of God? Remember that verse? And Jesus said, believe on him whom he has sent. Remember that? Uh, now, the word believe is interesting because uh, most people that say believe is some kind of a head knowledge, some kind of a recognition in their head. But the word believe, how many glad that the Bible interprets itself? So the word believe, as we go through the scripture, faith without works is dead. I want to share with you, I want to kind of take off from what Pastor Matt talked about last week when he talked about in Zechariah chapter 4, not by might, not by power. I want to finish with that, but just lead up to that, I want to just say a few things. Uh, let's go to Acts uh, chapter 13 and verse 2. If we can put that on the board, it would be great. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, that's what we're going to do this week. As we minister to the Lord and fast, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work. Everybody say the work. For the work. For the work. <laughs> we don't like that word. 
Saved by grace. Well, that's great. But part of grace is work. Not on God's part, on your part. On God's part, there's no work at all. He, he, he didn't have a problem. But we have a little bit of work. If you go to the book of Revelation, uh, Jesus is talking to one of the churches, and he said, uh, He that overcometh and keepeth my works to the end. He that overcometh and keepeth my work. Well, what are the works of God? What, what, what is he talking about? And, uh, you know, in fact, in the book of Revelation, uh, the judgment will be, will be judged according to our works. So whatever that means, it has to be kind of important. You know, if, if, if we need to do his work, finish his work, be judged by our works, well, let's find out what some of the works are. Would you like to do that? Amen. So this morning, I just want to, in on John chapter 10, or ch chapter 20, I think we got to put, put that on over. John 20, 21, and 22. This is quite a statement to me. And Jesus is speaking. I, I like the, the invisible words. Isn't that great? Do you notice the invisible words this morning? Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> John chapter 20. Jesus is speaking to the disciples. He's getting ready to go. And uh, he says, uh, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. And then he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. He commissioned them and then he empowered them. I don't believe God calls us and commissions us without empowering us. That would be really unfair. He called them and then he empowered them. Think about it. So I thought about some of the things that, I don't know about you, but some of the things I'm working on, I find in the first John, the Bible says, as we love one another, God lives in us, his love grows. I want God's love to grow, and I want him to abide in me. And so, but I like another translation, as we practice, as we practice loving one another, how many know that's a little bit of work? Uh, yeah, practicing to me takes some effort. You got to put forth a little, I don't know, if, when we first got married, I just didn't think, I thought it was going to be days of heaven on earth, I just thought this is going to be absolutely tremendous, but after we got married for a while, I discovered there's two kingdoms that have come together, and the great struggle is who will be Lord over the kingdom? I was Lord over my kingdom, and she was Lord over it, but, but together... We had to work a little bit to really practice loving one another. It takes a little time, but it's all right. Because not only have we been commissioned, we've been empowered to do what God's called us to do. To me, that's... Now, you know, so, sometimes when that talks about loving one another, it's not so much of doing, which we spent years preaching in this house, what to do, what to do, how to be romantic, how this... But a lot of times, it's what you're not supposed to do. 
Gossip separates the best of friends. How many know that's, that shouldn't be done in the church? If we're commanded to edify one another, build one another up, well, then to divide one another can't be the Lord. Amen? I mean, how about murmuring and complaining? I don't know about you, but that doesn't go real good in our house. I don't know. How about criticizing, finding fault? So it's so important not just what to do, but what not to do. And listen, it's not just what I don't, I'm not supposed to do, but how many know you're not supposed to listen? You're not supposed to listen to the gossip, the tail-bearing, the rumoring. Anybody home? You know, sometimes, and so, so, Brother Wayne, what in the world do you do? They may hear somebody come up to me, and they begin to murmur, and they begin to gossip. The Bible, this is what Paul said. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Correct them. Now, you know, that can be done in a wonderful way. I remember early on, we had new people coming into the church. Usually, it's the new people that come from other churches that haven't been taught what you've been taught. And so, uh, so we, were in a, we were in a meeting. I wasn't there, but we were in a meeting. And uh, this man, uh, he and his wife started coming. And he began to kind of complain a little bit about the church. And uh, so one of the brothers, he wasn't the leader, but he said, Oh, 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 oh bra, 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 bra. we don't talk like that here. We don't. He goes, oh, okay. I mean, it wasn't being nasty or harsh. It just, but it was very simple in a nice way. And you know, the same thing happened in another meeting. Here's another couple came in, and it was the woman. And she began to complain, or whatever it was. And this one of the said, oh, honey, 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 we don't do that here. Oh, it wasn't harsh, it wasn't nasty, but in a really nice way, it stopped it right there. No problem. So there's a good way, and a proper way, of being sweet, and yet correcting a little bit. I don't know about you, but if you correct your children and you're going to be nasty and angry, it's not going to work. You better, I, I had to come to the place sometimes when I had to just back off a little bit because if I'm going to discipline my children, I can't do it out of anger and frustration because they feel that. And so rather than respond to what they're supposed to do, they respond to our, my attitude. And so that's, that, that's important to say. Amen. Uh, let me just go to Philippians chapter 3. Verses 13 and 14. Here's another area that I have to work on, and that is, I call it forgiveness. I mean, no, you have to work on it. Sometimes it takes a little bit of effort. It's not really always that easy. Notice what the Apostle Paul says. Brethren, I count not, count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting. How many know forgetting has to do with forgiveness? <laughs> Amen. I don't know about you, but that's really a lot of my problem. Before I can forget, I have to forgive. Amen? Forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forth unto the things which are before, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul had a prize that he was looking for. But he realized to make that prize and get that prize, he had some responsibility, he had some work to do. He had to be willing. The word forgetting there is so important because it means to lose out of mind by implication and neglect. And so when, and how many knows when, when the thought comes of the hurt, the offense, whatever it is, there's pain. There's pain. And so the Bible says it's really clear. 
And so forget it. Loose out of it. So when that comes, that thought, that fault, whatever it is, with the pain, what are you supposed to do? Don't think about it. Don't think on it all the time. You know, part of, let me just, somebody, somebody said something about forgiveness that I really like. So when it comes to forgiveness, I'm not going to bring the fault, the hurt, the wound up to you. And then I'm not going to talk to anybody else about it. And then I refuse to dwell on it myself. I mean, you know something? I don't know about you, but sometimes it takes a little bit of work because I know what it's like to feel the pain, the rejection, betrayal, whatever it is. I know what it is. Now, what are you going to do? Are you going to kind of just sulk, pout? All the time, or are you? And, and then listen. Then you go into this tremendous place of depression. I don't want to go there, so I have to do something else. So I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work real hard at releasing and loosing out of my mind those things that come to me. And how do I do that? Because I meditate in God's word day and night. Because that's what I'm always thinking. That's what I'm. I'm talking. I'm thinking about the word. I'm speaking the word. That's the only way I know. I've got to fill my life and my mind with something besides the hurt and the wound. Well, I'm glad that you guys are all doing really good. This is real. I'm proud of you guys. I really am. <laughs> Listen, this message is not for you. It's for your neighbor. Let's put on Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. I really, really... Love this. To me, this is a major key. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of the faith, our faith, who for the joy, everybody say, for the joy, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy. Yes, it takes some work in my marriage, but I thank God for the joy. After 58 years, my wife and I are friends. I mean, that's the joy. I don't know about you, but that's the joy. You know, I mean, Jesus said the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He went through a lot of stuff, but he said they were joy. He saw the end for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. Jesus for the joy that was set before him. Paul said, I'm going for the prize. Whether, so what are you going, what's your joy? What is your prize? I have a question. What do you see in 23? What do you see in 23? Do you see the joy that's set before you when you endure? Are you looking to the prize? I think we need to check on what we see in 23. No, I mean, you know, some people, all they can see is their partner's weaknesses. All they can see is problems in the church. All they can see is everybody else's problems. Come on, we've got to change our sight here. We've we got to begin to, hey, what are we going to see? In, remember, we've been commissioned and empowered. This is amazing to me. So I want to share just, some, just a thought just to bring you, to me, this is bringing me just a little bit higher than just me, myself, and I. It's taking me kind of beyond that. 
And so uh, in Matthew chapter 16, 18 and 19, very familiar passage of scripture. Jesus, and I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, I'm going to send you. I was sent to build the church. Now he's at the right hand of the majesty on high. And so he's, how is he building the church? Can you think about it? So we've been called to build the church. And I'm going to share something I think to me has really, really made a tremendous difference. And we're going to find it in 2 Corinthians 14, 14 is one of the scriptures. And then Romans chapter 8. Very familiar passage of scripture. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom. He says, listen, I'm going to build the church. And then he turns right around in the next verse, I'm going to give you the keys. He's building the church, but he said, I'm going to give you the keys. Why? Because he's at the right hand of almighty God. And now he's depending on you and I to build the church. Let's go to 1st, 2nd Corinthians chapter 14, 1st Corinthians 14, 14. Very familiar passage. Paul is writing, and he says something like, is it 14, 14? I don't know, that's what I had in my notes. 1st <laughs> Corinthians 14, 14. Or if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. In the Amplified, it makes it a little clearer. If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit, by the Holy Spirit within me, is praying. Now, we know if the Holy Spirit's helping me pray, I'm praying his will. I'm praying his plan. Is that right? So, how do I build the church? Well, one of the ways is I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. Because as I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, I'm building. How am I building his church? Well, one of the things, I'm building you up. Not just myself. Okay? Because in Romans, it says the Holy Spirit has come to help us in the area that we're weak, our infirmities. But then it goes on to say, because we don't know what to pray for as we ought. But the Holy Ghost has come, and he's helping make us intercession. He wants to help us make intercession for the saints according to the will of God. What if some of those saints are in the political arena? I mean, what if I'm praying for a senator? What if I'm praying for, because there are, there are Christians. There are Christians in those places. If I'm interceding, I'm praying for some that are already in the arena of education. We don't know who we are. We don't know what God has given us. The weapons of our warfare are truly not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We don't understand fully. But as we pray in the Holy Ghost, we're actually pulling down strongholds. I mean, I, I, as I'm praying in the Holy Spirit, I'm not just praying for myself. I'm praying for you. I'm making intercession. And some of the believers are not just here. Some of the believers are in the political arena. Right. You ever heard anything like that? I mean, I said, boy, I, this is amazing. But when the praying in the Holy Ghost, God is helping us pray his mind, his heart, not just for ourselves, not just for the church within four walls, but how about the church, the body of Christ, wherever it is, 
wherever they may be, the Holy Ghost is helping us intercede and make intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, many are complaining. But I said, Lord, I, I could complain about, we'll just say the person that was just nominated for the house, speaker of the house. Well, you can complain all you want, or you can pray in the Holy Ghost, said, Lord, if there's any way that I could really pray for this person, would you help me in the Holy Ghost? Come on, could you, could, I mean, because it's God's will that somehow somebody prays for this guy that God will think through his mind, God will direct him, God will help him, God will keep him out of trouble. Could we do that? Could we do that? We do that for everything else, everybody else. Why can't we do that? I just, I just like I say, I don't know as we really know who we are. God is not just concerned with a few believers within four walls. He said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. We, we, our minds are so narrow-minded sometimes. No, no. So I'm praying in the Holy Ghost because my prayers are reaching. Listen, if God can talk to Nebuchadnezzar, he can talk to any senator. I like what Joey Perez said some time ago. He was a, a guy that was a drug addict, and he'd actually killed some folks, I think, a gang member and everything like that. When he got saved, he said he had this unusual experience after he'd been saved just for a little while. And he said, he said all of a sudden he was in Philadelphia, a place where he grew up, and he looked up and he saw the street signs. He knew where he was. And then he, but he said the sky was absolutely black, black. And then he noticed a big figure standing, I mean, eight, nine feet tall. And he found out later it was an angel. And he said the angel had this sword in his hand, and the angel took the sword and did a big windmill thing. And when he did, the heavens opened a little bit. He did it the second time, and the heavens opened a little more. And then the third time, the heavens cleared completely. And then the angel spoke to him and said, I'm your angel. When you work, I work. If you don't work, I don't work. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, I will forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. I mean, God could do it without us, but he doesn't. For some reason, he doesn't choose. I sought for a man. He said, I sought for a man among them. Stand in the gap, make up the hedge. I couldn't find anybody, so I had to destroy the land. I believe God's calling us to stand in the gap. Stand in the gap, make up the hedge, for this land is his. This land doesn't belong to the devil and his crowd. The earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. Could we mix this message with faith? Because if you don't, you're going to go, oh, my God. What is he saying? But if you mix it with faith, all things are possible. And anything happens. I want to go to uh, Jeremiah 1.10. This was really an interesting verse to me in the book in the Old Testament, and it was really amazing. Jeremiah, listen to this. This is God's talking to the prophet Jeremiah. See, I have this day set thee over nations, over kingdoms, to root out, pull down, to destroy, and to throw down, and to build and plant. I mean, how in the world could that possibly happen? How could one man, way back then, God said, I'm going to put you over nations and kingdoms. How in the world? 
This is how it happened. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Pastor Matt has alluded to that last week, Zechariah 4. And it's really interesting because when he says, the angel said to Zechariah, the prophet, now you tell Zerubbabel, the guy that's building this thing and working on the temple, tell him it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And then the next verse, he says, tell him the mountain that's before him shall be a plain. I don't think we know who we are. <laughs> when we're praying in the Holy Ghost, because it's not by might, not by, but we need the Holy Ghost. So when we're praying in the Holy Ghost, it's the Holy Ghost that's praying through us, God's mind, God's heart, and all, listen, mountains are removed. Whether it's in your personal life, whether it's in your family, whether it's in the church, whether it's in the nation, mountains are removed. Strongholds come down. I don't understand all I understand, I just read it in the Bible, and I'm just simple enough to say, Lord, if the Holy Spirit is helping me, and I have no concept of all the areas that God's helping me, but I do know a few things. Mountains are coming down. I mean, that's, that's, that's in the Bible. That's, uh, that's, in, that's in the book of Zechariah. I said, wow. If mountains are being removed, strongholds are coming down. But at the same time, I love this. At the same time, praying in the Holy Ghost, strongholds of righteousness are being strengthened. As much as we're rooting out, pulling down, tearing down, but we're planting and building. See, I just don't know. As we, I understand that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And it doesn't make any difference where those strongholds are. It doesn't make any difference how big they are. The earth is the Lord's. And he can remove a mountain in my life. He can remove a mountain in the city. He can remove a mountain. I don't care where it is in a nation. Now, as we're praying in the Holy Ghost, God's preparing us for the OC. We're just not going to be feeding some folks. But we're going to feed some folks and the Holy Ghost is going to show up. That's the key. So if you really want to be a part of what's happening, praying in the Holy Ghost is the best way I know because he's the one who knows what needs to be done he knows who needs to get saved. He knows the, what, what needs to happen for that outreach to be successful in his sight. You know, as we're praying, and I, one of the things that I thank God for those that prayed in the Holy Ghost because they held up my hands. Just like recorded concerning Moses, the Bible said Aaron and her stood on each side of Moses. And as long as they held his hands up, Israel prevailed. But he, you know, I don't know what you understand, but if you, if you hold your hands up, I, I challenge you, hold your hands up for 15 minutes. And if you feel like to go on, then that's gonna, it's going to be interesting because you're going to get tired. Then you need somebody to help you, and then you get tired after that, and you have to sit down. But the guy keeps having to hold your hand. Aaron and her had to keep holding it, and we're holding up the hands of this pastor here. This is when we're praying in the Holy I don't think we know exactly. But listen, if you're busy praying in the Holy Ghost and interceding for the pastor in this work, you don't have any time to murmur, complain, criticize, or find fault. See, I, I know exactly what this young man has to face. I was there. 
I know. If you think for a moment, easy, no, but it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. So as we're interceding, we're lifting up the hands of this pastor and this work. So God has separated you for a work. In this house, we're, we're trying to love one another. We're trying to be forgiven. I want all that. But then we have another work to do. That is, we got to hold up the hands, the man and woman of God in this house, and the work, and the work that God's called us to do. Let's make sure that we don't get lazy. Cursed is he that doeth the work of the Lord half heartedly. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be cursed. <laughs> so I'm going to try hard to do the work of the Lord the way I was supposed to. Amen. I'm going to keep working on my marriage. It's only 58 years. Crush won't stop. Gold mine, I'm going to keep digging. I'm going to keep working. God has given you gold mine in this place to affect the city. But it's not going to happen if you just sit back, twiddle your thumbs, and expect everybody else to work. Everybody works. Everybody works. Turn to your neighbor and says, everybody works. Everybody works. You know, I tell you, I don't know about you, but I, I get excited when I, Brother Myers, when I think that Mommy and I are bringing forth fruit in her old age. I get excited about that. You got work to do. Come on, you got work to do. All of you folks that think you're over the hill, you got work to do. You can't get out of here that easy. You got work to do. Everybody has work to do. Now, the honeymooners here, uh, they have no problem working. Uh, you know, I see that, brother. It's all right. It's good. I, I was there. You know, it's, it's, I like to work. The joy that's, I know. I'm sorry. Sorry, excuse me. Father, we want to thank you for the precious blood of Jesus. We want to thank you, Lord, for this house. Thank you for our pastors. We thank you, Lord God, that you've given him a vision and you've also empowered him. And we want to make sure that we're holding up his hands and the enemy will be defeated and the, the church will prevail. We're going, to, oh, we're going to continue to pray and intercede because we want to see the OC do exactly what you've called us to do and that work to be. And we're excited. Hallelujah. We're asking your Lord, in Jesus' name, let Jesus Christ be glorified in and through this house. We'll give you all the glory and all the praise. And all the people said, amen. amen. Let's give your pastor a hand as he comes, please. Amen. Can we stand on our feet today? Amen. I mean, just a little bit challenge, a little bit more challenge this morning. Amen. You know, this uh, last week, uh, I was just having a conversation with a, a local pastor. We got together for coffee. Great conversation. And uh, this last week, we were talking about uh, some of the things that happened, especially one of the, the, the bigger things. Uh, there's a lot that happened this last week, but one of the uh, big things that happened was, of course, many of you in the sports world know that there was an NFL player that actually had cardiac arrest on the field and uh, there at the Monday night game and, uh, and now is recovering. And, uh, and, uh, but, you know, from, from the moment that that happened, because I was watching the game live and watched most of the covering, it was, 
in, well in an hour and a half, two hours of, of coverage, um, how everything was going, the updates, and you know, from the players and the coaches and everything. And you know, how many of you noticed, did you notice the amount of prayer that was being talked about? How many, how many saw that? Uh, if you saw some of my, my stories, I've posted a, a few things about that. And how many times people talked about, let's pray, we gotta pray not about football, it's about prayer. It's about, you know, praying for this young man. How many have heard that? And at one point, in, and last night there was a game on, and they, they opened a game by both teams coming to the center at the end and praying. And I don't know if you saw the, if you saw the one news anchor there, analyst, and he said, I'm going to take a moment, I'm going to pray right now on national television for this player. And he prayed in Jesus' name and, and prayed for healing and and everything, and, and what a testimony, what a testimony, and um, what, one of the things that you realize, and I, I, don't, I don't say this in any way to be disrespectful to the whole situation, because it's a serious situation that happens, but thank God it's recovering, but you know, many times, I think we get discouraged in witnessing to people. We get discouraged in our witness. We get discouraged and keep you know, telling people God loves them and the truth and this is what the Bible says and living that life and doing what's right. Like the psalmist David said in Psalm 73, I just get tired of doing what's right sometimes because nobody's listening. Everybody seems to be fighting against it. But how many know when trouble happens, when trouble happens, people know where to go. And I'm going to just want to encourage you today as a Christian that this, this was something the Lord showed me years ago when we were preaching in the streets of Holland and Amsterdam, and a million people there. It was just tens of thousands of people. We were there for six-hour preaching, and I mean, just preaching. Everything I knew what to do to bring out, all scriptures I knew to, I mean, every sermon that I thought was like amazing at that time, I brought it out. I mean, I thought for sure someone was going to get saved. Nobody got saved. In fact, we got cursed. Uh, drunk people would make in front of us, getting up on the stage, trying to dance with the sisters. I mean, the whole it was, it was a crazy day. Nobody got saved. And I said, Lord, we were here for six hours. I did that three, three years in a row. No, we, nobody's ever gotten saved. And I said, what in the world? I mean, was this all in vain? I mean, was this all whatever? And, you know, the Lord brought me back to the scripture about Noah. And the Bible says that Noah, while he was building the ark, was faithful to preach the word of the Lord. And how many know that there was a day that Noah was working and working and working and nobody was listening, nobody was listening, nobody was listening. But one day, the rain came. And the moment the rain came, people remembered somebody's building an ark. Somebody's building a place of safety. I've got to get to that place of safety. And so keep being faithful to live, what, do what's right and living the gospel out and sharing and praying. And Because when there's going to be a storm that comes in people's lives and they want to know somebody's building an ark. Somebody knows how to pray. I need to get a hold of somebody that knows how to pray. Can you say amen? And so this week, I want you to think about that, especially in prayer and fasting. The Bible says that we need to be ready always to give an answer of those that ask of the hope that lies within us. We've got to always be ready. Because how many know the storm is happening in people's lives almost all the time? People are going through things. You don't even know what they're going through. But they need to know there's somebody that knows how to touch God. There's somebody that knows, amen, where safety is. There's somebody that knows there's a higher ground. There's, there's the rock that I can go to. And I want to be that person that points them in the right direction. Amen. So, you know, when everybody's life is going great, it's easy to mock the Lord. It's easy to make fun of Christians. But when the storms of life come, guess who they're looking for? 
The person that was that Bible thumper, that person that wouldn't like bend, the person that was strict on their standards, that believed in the word, that really preached the word. Come on. And so we want to be that type of person today. I want to encourage you to to do that and think that way. Somebody's sick in their body. Somebody needs healed. Somebody needs answers. They're going through major depression, major anxiety, tremendous suicidal uh, tendencies and problems in their life. And they need to know that somebody is building an ark. Somebody knows how to get a hold of God. Amen. I don't know about you, but I said, Lord, I want to be the person, the right place, at the right time, with the right message for the right person. Amen. Amen. Because let me just pray as we leave uh, today uh, for divine appointments this week. As we're praying and fasting, Lord, you just kind of put this on our heart today before we leave, Lord. We want to pray for divine appointments, Lord. We want to pray, Lord, that we are there for people that need us to be there, Lord. That we are ready, amen, and prayed up, and we are ready, and we are ready to give at any moment, Lord, we pray, because we have no idea what other people are going through, Lord. Those that are across the street, right next to us, Lord, where we work, wherever we, in our family, we have no idea, but Lord, I pray that this week, as we're praying and fasting, you would help us be the people that are ready to give an answer to this culture, this society, today, and, and Lord, all the stuff that's going on, may we not get lost in, in, in just the frustration of everything that's going on or the fear of what's going on, but may we, Lord, hold steady on the anchor of the gospel, Lord, and be rock steady for those who need that answer this week, Lord. We pray that you would minister through your church this week and minister through your people, Lord, your power, your divine power, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. We give you the praise and glory. And everybody said...